Welcome to another episode of the Amford Church Sermon Podcast. We're thrilled that you're taking the time to listen to what we have to say about God, the world, and you. These sermons are recorded live during our weekly Sunday morning services. To find out more about us or to plan a visit to join us, check out our website, amfordchurch.com. Again, thanks for listening and enjoy. Well, welcome to the most important day of the year. We've already lost yesterday, and tomorrow hasn't arrived. Today, the 6th of January, 2019, is what we have. And that's why it's the important, or the most important day of the year. If I was standing here tomorrow on the 7th of January, I'd be saying the same thing, but putting 7th in instead of 6th. In his book, Today Matters, John Maxwell makes the observation that we over-exaggerate yesterday, we overestimate tomorrow, we underestimate today. Never underestimate the value of today. Today matters, every day matters. <laughs> Someone once said that, We'll never change our lives, and most of us are trying our best to, um, until we change something we do daily. And somebody else said, the secret of our future achievements or failures are found in our daily routines. Later on, I'm going to be suggesting something we can all introduce to our day to help us in 2019. But do you sense that people are becoming more fearful? Uh, Is it happening to you? Fear uh, invading your minds more often. Especially as you consider a future of uncertainty, um, of change and new experiences. Uh, Fear is not a new phenomenon. It's not a modern phenomenon. It's not a modern problem. One of the earliest words you read in the Bible are an expression of fear. The words, I was afraid, appears just a few chapters into the book of beginnings, Genesis. And by chapter 15, in that very same book of beginnings, very early on in the history of God uh, followers, the calming words of God were required to reassure the founder of the Jewish nation. He said, do not be afraid. I am your shield, God says. Your very great reward. This is because he was experiencing and his wife something very, very new. He had already confronted uh, huge change and was already facing uncertainty uh, um, into the future. He was in uncharted territory, Abram was, and um, his wife, Sarah. Fear would have been a natural reaction, but God had to step in and say, do not Be afraid, Abraham. But there are times when fear can be our biggest friend. It's what prevents us from stepping off the pavement into traffic without looking or walking too close to a cliff edge. Or it's what drives us to climb the nearest tree to escape some nasty animal. Fear sometimes can be our best friend. 
But I'm not talking about the fear that we need to keep us from danger or keep us alive this morning. And all the fear of God, which is the beginning of all knowledge, according to Solomon. No, I'm talking about the fears that can prevent us from living. The fears that keep us from making more of each of these precious todays that we get. The fears that could rob us of seeking to put God's kingdom first in 2019. Fear, somebody said, uh, I don't know what it's up on screen, yes, fear, uh, not that your life will come to an end, but that it will never have had a beginning. So my plan this morning, just for you to know where we're going, is to draw our attention to instances in the records we have of Jesus' birth and resurrection, when God's followers were actually gripped by fear, and very simply noting what advice was given. Now, I say advice, even though they seem more like commands. But firstly, a quick guide to a few basic facts about fear, reminders of why the advice from God, his spokespeople, and Jesus is so needed. Okay? First thing to say about fear, it breeds more fear. <laughs> this is, this is to take this home with you. It, it's not the germ on our kitchen work surface that dental advertisers want us to fear is what we should be worried about in 2019. But the germ of fear, or germs of fear, that may be landing and lurking in our minds. Once we allow a small fear thought to enter our thinking, it will multiply. And before we know it, we will be catastrophizing. That tiny germ of fear will step by step move our minds to thinking about worst case scenarios, the worst possible outcomes, and these worst case outcomes will soon become real in our minds and develop into destructive forces. Fear also causes inaction. Fear can paralyze us, can prevent us from doing what we should be doing. It can rob us of the todays of our lives and therefore the tomorrows of our lives. Now then, petrified is, is a term often used with the word fear. When we say, I was petrified with fear, what we're implying is that fear has turned us into stone. We're becoming rigid, unable to move. We are stuck. Now, fear also wastes energy. It drains us of energy as we fight this paralyzing effect. Somebody described it like this. It's interest paid in advance on debt we may never owe. How silly is that? And yet, that's where we often spend or misspend daily available mental energy, spiritual energy, emotional energy. That's where we spend it. 90% of what we fear has no substance, no basis. It's irrational. Somebody said once, I've been through some terrible things in my life, only a few of which actually happened. Uh, fear keeps us from reaching our potential. Jesus told a story about three servants entrusted with gifts to invest well while their master was away. Uh, two of them returned more than they were given. They'd multiplied what they'd been trusted with, uh, and then they heard the master say, well done good and faithful servants. But the third only gave back what he'd been given. Why? 
Well, this is the explanation he gave. He said, I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. He didn't hear the master say, well done, but heard the words, you wicked, lazy servant. Uh, fruit was expected from all three, but one didn't deliver anywhere near his potential. Why? Because of fear. Now, fear has um, self-fulfilling power. Fear has the power, if we allow it to, to make that which we're afraid of come true. Which is why in times of crisis or uncertainty, you will often hear this famous quote, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. Those words were famously uttered by the Fonz in series two, episode six of Happy Days. Who remembers the Fonz? <laughs> Hero though he may have been to us, cool though he was, he actually didn't coin that quote. But apparently, um, sorry, he was repeating what someone else said in a speech during a very scary, unsettling, uncertain time, the 1930s. Those words, we have nothing to fear, but fear itself, were found in the inaugural address of President Franklin D. Roosevelt. So those are just some reminders of why what we are going to hear from divine sources about fear, why we need to hear them. Because fear can be quite scary in and of itself. Now, on a personal note, just in case you are tempted to think it's all right for him up there, he doesn't know what fear is like. Now then, I am someone who has experienced the destructive, debilitating power of fear in my own life. I have struggled with fear. Some of my biggest battles have involved dealing with fears, battlegrounds where I've fought tiny skirmishes, as well as huge wars. I've known fear to nearly destroy me in my career. I've known fear to reduce me to a whimpering curled up ball in Angharad's lap. I've known fear to breed fear and ended up catastrophizing. I've known fear to sap me of all my energy and all of my confidence. I've known fear to keep me from reaching my potential. I'm not, no longer as troubled um, with fears as I once was because I clearly remember uh, on, um, one of what I call my important writing down moments. A moment when I deliberately and decisively wrote something down. I wrote, from this day on, I'm not allowing fear to be in the driving seat. From this day on, I'm not allowing fear to be in the driving seat. It was a turning point. And, and whenever fear tried to creep back into the driving seat, uh, it was quickly kicked out because he had no place in my driving seat anymore. When you see somebody who is visibly and obviously, fear, obviously fearful, a common method of support, uh, a common method of help is to be held closely held tightly, held securely, and lovely, uh, lovingly being coached or hugged. It's not a method I'd appreciate, as you know. <laughs> it would probably make things worse for me. For me, when, when fear dragged me down, 
sapped me of all the energy and confidence that I had and could have robbed me of so much that it actually did. I took comfort in many places, including the scriptures, but also in music and the words of songs. There was a U2 song that was played a lot on the radio, and it came to mean a lot to me, especially just a few lines. The few lines that said, you've got to get yourself together. You've got stuck in a moment, and now you can't get out of it. Uh, you guys, you can start coming up now. But the song I played mostly, and probably was my comfort blanket at the time, is a song we'll sing together now. Uh, it was a reminder to me that God's love, of God's love, uh, and that I could rise once again and soar like an eagle. After we've sung this song, uh, um, we will look at what the divine directives for us are if fear is our response to the unknowns and uncertainties <coughs> of life. Thank you. Let me take you back to the circumstances that surrounded the birth of Jesus that we have been remembering during the last month or so. The big picture is this. The world was about to experience something it had never experienced before. The Middle East was already an unsettled and an uncertain place. Uh, the people were experiencing change and sailing uncharted territory uh, because of the Roman occupation. In the main, they were coping and had routines um, that they had adopted and rules that they lived by in order to live under Caesar's rule. Religious practice and Jewish traditions were largely unaffected as long as they were not disruptive. Then the birth of Jesus. A huge disruption. Now we are going to see change as never before. Now we are going to see unsettling and uncertainty and like never before. Now we are going to see society, see religious institutions and traditional practices disrupted like never before. That's the big picture. What if we zoomed in now on individuals, individual key characters involved in this cosmic drama? There was a birth announcement before the announcement of Jesus' birth. Zachariah was an ordinary priest married to Elizabeth. They were childless and beyond childbearing age. He was going about his usual duties, taking his turn in the temple, uh, the inner sanctuary, uh, when, zap, a messenger from God, with a message that was gobsmacking. After reading that and remembering what happened, I also thought gobstopping. An experience like no other, changes to take place that were huge, uncharted waters to sail. How did Zachariah react? One version of the record says he was gripped by fear. Another says Zechariah was paralyzed in fear. So what were the reassuring divine words that he needed to hear? Zechariah, don't be afraid. Then there was the announcement to a teenage virgin in a small insignificant village 
an announcement that left Mary, according to the Bible, greatly troubled. The angelic encounter was a new experience. It meant change ahead. <laughs> Bring on uncertainty in somebody's life. Yeah? Bring on unsettling to the point she became a refugee traveling uncharted territory. But God's messenger, what did he have to say to this troubled, frightened girl? He said, do not be afraid, Mary. And then there was Joseph. He didn't know how to cope with the news about Mary. He wasn't sure how to deal with the changes ahead. His boat had been truly rocked. His plan for a settled life had been unsettled. This required another message from on high. Guess what the opening words were? Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid. Then there was that group of hardened shepherds going about their duties. Uh, but, but we read the description that Luke has uh, in his record of, of a terrified group of men. Why were they terrified? Was it because it was dark? Uh, had they seen an extra large wolf or a wild beast approaching their sheep? No. They had an incredible new experience that was awesome. Uh, and had heard an announcement that meant change, big change, maybe new plans, new direction. That's why they were terrified. So, so before God's messenger could even deliver the big message, he had to say, don't be afraid. I bring you good news. Uh, do you see a pattern here? Just, just check it. Do you see a pattern here? <laughs> let, let me ask you a question. And you can answer it in your own little minds or your big minds. Do you think that the message given to counter the fear experienced was just a cliché or even a tongue-in-cheek remark? Think so? Like a, come on, don't be afraid. Or do you think the words were declared because it was possible to move beyond fear? We're going to fast forward from the example of frightened characters at the birth of Jesus to a time around a month or so before he left the earth. It's when we meet some other characters who are fearful, fearful to the point of being stuck in their moment, terrified of what was going to happen next. They had every reason to fear. These were Jesus' followers who had spent time with the most amazing man they'd ever come across the potential savior of their nation, the one who was light in a dark world, the one who offered hope to the hopeless. These followers saw their world collapse around them. Their boats truly rocked as their mentor, their master, their friend, their representative, their source of strength, their forgiver. When they saw him hanging... A source of fun and ridicule, and slowly bleeding to death on a cross. They had every right to be fearful. No wonder they were frightened. And in their fear, they fled. No idea what was happening next. Uncertain of the future, probably fearing for their very lives. And into this world of fear, 
into minds that were probably catastrophizing. Words were required to help them get their acts together. Words to get them back on track. Anyone care to guess what those words were? <laughs> I'm going to read to you um, what I think is one of the most exciting chapters or, or sections of the New Testament. Gonna, it's, it'll come up in screen on, in three sections. And these are the words. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There, were, there was a violent earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. Do you know what that's an example of? Petrified in fear, they became like stone. And then we read these words. Do not be, uh, sorry, uh, the angel said to the women, and we don't know how fearful they were, um, because we aren't told, but I would reckon that they were terrified. If these guards were petrified, let's just assume that these women were terrified. And these are the words that they needed to hear. Do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He's risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead and he's going ahead of you into Galilee. Okay? And then we read these words. So the women hurried from the tomb. And I actually really, really like this next little part of a sentence. It says, afraid yet filled with joy. And ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, or if, he was, if it was in our day, he'd be saying, Shumai. They came to him, they clasped his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee where they will see me. I, I, I forget, have I already asked you if you detect a pattern <laughs> in the words that are used to counter fear? Yeah, pattern? Again. People whose li lives interrupted with new, unusual experiences, big changes before them, uncharted waters, unsettling times, and fear invading their minds. But, but each time, the divine instruction is, do not be afraid. So I forgot. Have I asked you if you think that this was just a cliche, tripping off somebody's tongue? Uh, do you think Jesus would tell frightened people to not fear if that wasn't a real option? A real possibility? Do you know, there are times in the Bible when fear is not addressed by the words, do not be afraid. The first incident that I mentioned in the Bible when uh, uh, we hear the, read the words, I was afraid, it, that wasn't countered with God saying, don't be afraid. And in fact, Jesus, I mean, I'll just read a, a part of what he said in, in the epistle. Um, uh, he says this, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. So there was a fear that he wouldn't have said, do not be afraid at the end of. You see, Jesus wanted these frightened people to move beyond their fears, move on. Or to put it another way, he wanted to displace fear. He wanted to kick fear out of the driving seat and replace fear with an alternative. 
So between his birth and leaving the earth, Jesus taught and trained crowds. He taught and trained groups. And he taught and trained individuals. Uh, one such teaching or slash training moment you, you'll find in John chapter 14. He's preparing them. And he says this. Verses will come up on screen again. The Holy, oops, sorry, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. And then he says, peace I leave you. My peace I give to you. I don't give as the world gives. Because what would the world give them? Reasons to fear. Unsettling times. This is what the world offers. And uncertainty. But he says, I don't give as the world gives. And look at these words again. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. The question remains. Did Jesus truly mean these words? Was this advice real advice for real people for when the rubber meets the road? Well, are they, are they just words cobbled together to leave his followers with a nice mushy feeling? Well, we read later on in John that it was more than a mushy feeling because uh, these verses appear in John 20 verse 19 on the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. So there's fear lurking here again. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be to you. Peace to fill troubled hearts and replace fear. The disciples needed to remember that when fear would inevitably try to muscle in, or more often than not, to creep into the driving seat, the words that they needed to hear were the words that he'd already uttered in chapter 14. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. So what about us? What about me? When we feel the clammy, cold, slimy fingers of fear creeping over us, is this something we should do? Three very quick recommendations. One, we need to be in awe of the Jesus who appeared as a baby and after conquering death was able to send his followers on their way in peace. And we need to resolve to follow him more closely. The writer of the carol, O little town of Bethlehem, looked in the manger and crystallized truth about what he saw there in just those few words. The hopes and fears of all the years I met in thee tonight. That's why we ought to be in awe of that person, Jesus. And secondly, we need to be careful. We need to be careful what we allow to enter our minds, mainly through the eye gate and the ear canal. That's how seeds of fear are sown. And there is, uh, and there is way more fuel around out there to feed the fears than there is to nurture hope. So we've got to be careful what goes in here and what goes in here. And thirdly, be careful what we allow to exit our mouths. We are to be carriers of hope, not fuelers of fear. 
Our friends and neighbors should be asking us about the inner peace we have that they and the world know nothing about. Uh, we are being watched by a fearful world. <laughs> There's a screen wobbling. We are being watched by a fearful world, starved of hope. Our words and our lives should leave people desiring the peace that fills our minds and draw them to question the hope that we have. This time last year, we were being encouraged to walk the God path in 2018 with the words of an old children's chorus. The chorus was went, some of you remember, okay? Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Be careful, little mouth, what you speak. There's a father up above, and he's looking down in love. So be careful. And you know what? Nothing has changed as we enter 2019. We hope that you found today's message useful and challenging. And we want to take a moment to offer you some next steps that you can take right now. Why not get in touch with us via email at contact at amfordchurch.com if you have any follow-up questions or things that you'd like to discuss. If you want to know more about what's going on at Amford Church, make sure to like us on Facebook. And lastly, check out our YouTube channel for video teaching in addition to our sermon podcasts. Thanks for listening.